2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. We are out in Ashburn at the Commander's Training Facility today. Their assistant coaches are meeting with the media. Reminder, kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad the official g show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys by visiting kmlawyers.com. Mention Grant and Danny and score yourself a discount. Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM who helped Washington pick It's new general manager Adam Peters and head coach Dan Quinn. He was part of the search group that found those two fellas. Uh, He will be on our show to discuss those searches at 3.30 today, and we're giving away Caps tickets at 4 o'clock. Right now, though, Max Chadwick of Pro Football Focus, one of the members of their analytics department who covers college football, has been diving into this quarterback class in great detail, wanted to discuss with him, The QBs at the top of the board, namely Caleb Williams and where he stacks up with some of the great quarterback prospects of the last several years who came out of the draft and into the NFL.
0: Yeah,
4: that's a great question. I actually, um, if people are curious about the subject, I actually had our lead draft analyst Trevor Sikkim on my podcast, and we actually did this exact thing where we looked at every position in the draft, look at the top player, and said, okay, how... "Quote unquote generational," are there? You know, because that's kind of the the hot button term for NFL draft community. And you know, we talked about Caleb Williams, and um, I would say, and I think Trevor agrees with me that I, I would say the only quarterback prospects we've seen, you know, since maybe like Peyton Manning that are better are Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck. I, I think those are the two that I think, as prospects, of course, are better than Caleb Williams. So. Um, he's the best since at least Trevor Lawrence, which is you no, know, you're not that long, only three years ago. But you put it into context. I mean, him and Andrew Luck, those are probably the only two that I would take over Caleb Williams coming out of college, at least right now. So yeah, he's a truly special quarterback prospect, in my opinion, one that's very, very worthy of being the number one overall pick.
3: So two potential concerns for me, and every prospect obviously has warts. Nobody's perfect. He's special, but the two questions would be number one, his play in structure and on schedule which is not quite the same as all the special stuff off schedule. And then the second thing would be there's just a lot of stuff seemingly that hangs around him. You know, it's never him, but people in his camp saying he likes or wants this, or there's just noise. How much will teams care about those things?
4: Uh, well, first of all, to answer your first part, I think the infrastructure stuff is an interesting uh, argument, and I, I do agree that there are some – you know, concerns with Caleb Williams in terms of him trying to play hero ball a little bit too much. But when he does play within structure, he's still really elite in, in a lot of our metrics. So um, I, I do think he's capable of doing that. It's not like he's a pure backyard football quarterback out there. Uh, as for the second part, I have to think that's gotten extremely overblown. I actually, just to put it into context, last year, I was able to interview Caleb Williams, uh, 20 minutes, one-on-one. He's a terrific guy. And after that interview, I had a lot of news or you know, college football accounts start posting fake quotes from the article, from my interview with him and attribute them to me and attribute them to the boy. And so I would not be surprised. I had to reach out to those people and say, Hey, listen, these are fake. And they're like, well, how do you know it's fake? And I say, well, you're attributing it to Max Chadwick and I'm Max Chadwick. So I know exactly what he said (laughs) to me. He did not say that. So I think a lot of these stories that we're getting out, out there that have not come from him. I don't know how real they are. I I think this is a guy that a lot of people just, you know, they they don't like for for any reason. I don't really think it's a a valid reason for a lot of them. Um, Again, I only know him from a 20-minute conversation, but I, I didn't really get the vibes. That you get it a lot from the other media, so I would just caution a lot of people from making vast judgments on this kid's character because uh, I think a lot of it, I, I know firsthand, a lot of it is fake out there with him right now.
2: Max Travick of PFF, joins us here on G Is there a scheme system fit for Caleb Williams, or you, you, you don't worry about that because he's that talented?
4: Uh, I think it's a good question. I think you know, I, ironically enough, I think. He would fit really well uh in Chicago and Shane Waldron's offense the uh the Seattle offensive coordinator I think he's a guy that you know you want to get outside the pocket sometimes you want to let him use his creativity um you don't want to be too regimented in your offense you want to let him kind of create on his own a little bit I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend only relying on that because I you saw sometimes last year I can get into in, in trouble but um yeah I, I think he's, he's pretty versatile but uh yeah, I do think he, he should go to an offense, though. It's a little more wide open, a little more creative with how they use Caleb Williams because he can truly make any throw on the field from any platform at any arm angle. So I think you got to get creative with him as an offensive play caller.
3: Breaking down the top of the draft board with Max Chadwick of PFF. All right, so let's say Williams goes 1-1 to the Bears. The Commanders have the number two pick. Who do you like best second on, on the big board there?
4: Yeah, I think it's a pretty clear one. I think it's a pretty clear two. I think it's a pretty clear three. I think you have to take Drake May if you're the Washington Commanders at number two overall. Um, again, I, I think really people are were disappointed by Caleb Williams and Drake May this past season. I don't really understand that. I think they were basically just as good as they were the year before. Um, with maybe a little bit less talent around them, which is why maybe their numbers didn't look as good. But Drake May is still a superstar quarterback prospect. He will be the number one quarterback in a lot of other drafts. Uh, He just happens to be in a draft with Caleb Williams. Um, Yeah, if I'm Washington, I I am still head over heels, and and he is no consolation prize, to make that clear. Uh, He is still a a franchise quarterback prospect, and one that if I'm Washington, I'd be ecstatic to take with the number two overall pick.
2: How big is the separation between May and Daniels for you?
4: Uh, it's enough. It's enough of a gap. I do think there's a pretty, I think there's a bigger gap between Caleb Williams and Drake May, than there is between Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Uh, but I still think that there's a gap there. And I, I understand some people who have Jaden Daniels, who I, I've heard a lot more rumblings that Daniels might actually go over May. Um, I don't know how real that will be, but uh, Daniels is a really good rushing threat. He improved so much as a passer throughout his career, but he really broke out in his fifth season. Whereas, you know, Drake May has been a lead for his second and third season of college football. So that that matters to you a little bit. Uh, And I just think Drake May has a way stronger arm than Jaden Daniels. And and is a little bit better in structure than Jaden Daniels. So uh, I I do think there's a gap, though, between Drake May and Jaden Daniels. That's your question.
3: One thing I haven't heard a lot about, and I don't know if it's important or not, but Drake May being a lot younger than Jaden Daniels, um, and maybe it's just more experience than it is age, but as you said, Jaden Daniels played five years of college, right? I mean, generally, that's held against the guy, whether it should be or not. There's still a little more projection, it feels like, and upside based on the age of Drake May.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm not here to say that, you know, a fifth year guy who breaks out in his fifth and final season can't, you know, play in the NFL. Look at Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow totally, in his yeah. fifth season went on an you know, absolute tear count of came out of nowhere. And now he's a franchise quarterback in the NFL. So, again, I, I you, you should judge off that, but for me, when it's that close between guys and one guy, you know, just broke out in his fifth year, whereas another guy has kind of been elite for this long, you know, for his entire career, basically, um, I, I kind of tend to side with the younger guys, especially with the younger guys, better tools, I think, than uh, than the older guy. So again, I love James Daniels, and I, and I would take him with a third overall pick, probably with the Patriots, but. Um, I just think Drake May offers a little bit more there, and he's the guy I would go with at number two.
3: I was actually looking at a a passing uh, statistical breakdown that you guys did at PFF, and this was uh, about a week ago on Valentine's Day that I first saw this. But you have everybody rated with PFF grade. This is top quarterbacks from a clean pocket since 2022, so there was a pretty big sample of their college careers. Uh, Straight dropbacks passing great on first and second down on no play action like May was near the top I will say that Caleb Williams Jaden Daniels as well you know all of them grayed out really really well but I'm curious with that piece you know what you guys found as you dove into that
4: yeah so that's actually a great play, uh, great piece by Jonathan Macri, You to find it at PFF.com. and yeah it's a lot of stable metrics so you know there's a lot of stuff that we keep track of and some of it is very stable when projecting to the college, the NFL, meaning that like if he's good at, at college, he's most likely to still be good at it in the NFL. Other stuff is not as stable, you know, or it kind of uh, it changes a lot year to year. So we looked at a lot of the stable metrics and looked at the guys who were best in those metrics. And Drake May, honestly, was the just looking at the stable metrics. Which again, I, I wouldn't, I would caution against just doing that. But just looking at that, Drake May was the number one quarterback for basically all of them. So he, he's a guy that I, I would still really. Um, look at the top of the draft. Um, but again, it's, it's more than just the numbers you got to do when you're evaluating quarterbacks. And, you know, Caleb Williams looking at the sale metrics was number six for us, uh, just looking at the metrics. But I, again, like I said before, I think he's pretty clearly the number one guy in his class. But yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting what Jonathan did with the piece he's doing with every position in the NFL draft. Uh, which I think is really cool. Um, it's interesting to see the results that come out of it, too, and see, you know, which guys uh, stack up the best in those metrics.
2: PFF's Max Chadwick with us here on G&D. So. Listen, we're nitpicking, but we're up at the top of the draft here. We're thinking in Washington's case at number two, so these are all worthy prospects, obviously. So you're you know trying to find the subtle little things that you know make you place your big bet on somebody. And looking at Drake May, you've watched more tape today probably of him than, than I got to see all year. I saw some of those big games, and I came away doing that like Michael Scott cringe face a couple times, that Clemson game where he wasn't very good, and I know Carolina wasn't particularly good, but I wish he played better in big games, Max, especially could this year, if I'm going to use the number two overall pick on him. I know that's not fair, but just want your thoughts there.
4: Yeah, I think it's an interesting point that you made, it. and yeah, there were some times obviously where UNC, and I think Drake may maybe disappointed some people in terms of those big games, but um, again, I just think that you look at the big body of work, and I, I just think what he's done in his two years has been so special, and uh, really, North Carolina was not helping him out too much this year mm-hmm. at all. The offensive of line was kind of a disaster. Um, I, I didn't really think the play calling was was all that great sometimes, too. Um, and even, like, they, they didn't have Tes Walker for much of the season. Uh, the receiving core really – I mean, the year before when he had Josh Stavis was great, but this year, even with Ted Walker, uh, still wasn't phenomenal either. So, that's why I'm kind of you know you're looking at Drake May and Caleb Williams and you look at oh they had a disappointing year. I would to just look at the supporting cast of the Caleb Williams the same way. USC really took a big big downturn after his Heisman season uh, in terms of what they surround him and talent wise. So uh, yeah, I I do think there's some merit to that of course and how there are some games where we just didn't really play that well like the Miami game I remember you mentioned the Clemson game he was that was probably actually his lowest graded game of the season for us. Um, there are some games like that where we face elite defenses but. I don't really think that was to do with him. I think those defenses exposed um, the weaknesses of North Carolina a little bit. Uh, and that, of course, would uh, would hurt him in some aspects, too. So, yeah, there's some merit to it for sure. But, I, again, I think his body of work over two years is enough for me to uh, still be very confident about him being a uh, franchise quarterback.
2: Hey, Max, I'm one of those rubes that, that- – saw those like six touchdown Jaden Daniels games. And I can't, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about him running around. I can't stop thinking of some of those highlights. The numbers are just, are stupid. It's like, you know, early nineties Madden numbers with a difficulty turned down to rookie. uh, And and it's against the sec, you know, for the most part, right? Make the case for him to go over me. I know it's not what you have, but make the case for someone to take him number two.
4: So my case for Jaden Daniels uh, to be taken highly in this draft is, This is a guy who has just improved every single year of his career. Again, I'm not making this direct comparison because I think there are different play styles, but look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts at Alabama really could not throw the ball at all, and eventually got benched for Tua Tagovailoa, transferred to Oklahoma. He's always been a great running threat. That's kind of what Jaden Daniels was at Arizona State where he just really was not a good passer. Uh, Great runner, though. Transferred to LSU, was a conservative passer last year but got a lot better, uh, and then this year he's an absolute flamethrower. Who's to say he's not going to keep improving? You look at Jalen Hurst, went to Oklahoma, with a runner-up for the Heisman, and then now he's in the NFL and doing great with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I, I don't know if I want to bet against Jalen Daniels keep improving and keep building off of what he's done so far. He's, like I said, he's, he's improved every year of his career. Uh, he's an electric runner. Um, he will immediately be one of the top rushing quarterbacks in the NFL once he gets to the NFL and like I said, as a passer, he took major leaps this year, especially taking downfield shots. Um, his touch is fantastic. Uh, I was so impressed by him. I think he was a more than worthy Heisman winner. I actually think this is one of the best Heisman seasons we've ever seen uh, in recent memory. The only problem was that, you know, LSU went 9-3 because of how bad their defense was, so people won't really see it that way. But uh, I, I was – David Daniels is by far, in my opinion, the best player in college football this year. Uh, and I, I would not bet against him keep improving at the NFL level. So that's probably my case for him to uh, to be a top you know three or so pick in the NFL draft.
3: Joined right now and breaking the draft down with Max Chadwick of PFF. So Washington has two other picks in the top 40 after they're on the clock at number two, right at uh, 34 and 40 overall, I believe. They have needs at tight end, wide receiver, desperate for edge help. One of those picks will almost certainly have to be an edge, but I'm just curious, the way that you expect this draft class to come together, what could be of value there where you could still land like a really good player or the way the board falls where they could do really well in the back end of the thirties, early forties?
4: Yeah. So I think you look at the, you look at the second round and, and their next pick, and I think there are some guys there that you could see Washington going after, uh, and getting with, uh, to help out their roster, like you mentioned. I think a guy like Chris Braswell, the edge defender from Alabama, he he could be an option there in the second round. Uh, Adonai Mitchell, the Texas receiver, Uh, he could be an option there. Keon Coleman, maybe Jatavion Sanders, Um, the Texas tight end. Well, I mean, you mentioned a tight end. So there are definitely – it's a pretty good edge class. It's a pretty deep receiver class. Um, There's going to be options there for Washington in the second round, I think, after they get their quarterback of the future at number two overall, whoever they end up taking. Um, there will be options for them in that uh, in that second round and third round, and I'm uh, I'm pretty intrigued by seeing what what they're going to do there uh, in those early 30s picks. Like you said, do you have the
3: quarterbacks going one, two, three? Chicago, Washington, New England, and then like the Cardinals' first non-quarterback, maybe Marvin Harrison or something. four?
4: yeah, I think it will be. I, I think it will be QBs one, two, three. Um, I think obviously, I think Chicago is going to take Caleb Williams. I think Washington's going to take either Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Um, and I think New England, if they don't take one, I think they're going to trade the pick. I don't think they're going to stick there and take Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, but I think that they should take probably Jaden Daniels or Drake May, whoever falls there to number three. So yeah, to answer your question, I, I do think it could be QBs one, two, three, And then And honestly, it could be wide receivers four, five, six. Uh, with Arizona looking at taking receiver. Maybe the Chargers would take a receiver as well. Um, and then the Giants could take a receiver. So you could see you know, QB's one, two, three, and then Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roman Dunes, they go four, five, six. So uh, it could be a pretty interesting top six with only really two positions really going in the top six.
2: Max, some have advocated in this market. I'm not one of them. I've said I'd strongly disagree with this, but figured I'd give a, get a question in for him to not go quarterback top three, to trade back and maybe pick up a guy a little bit later, whether it's McCarthy, Knicks, Penix, Michael Pratt out of Tulane. I know has made some noise here recently. We're in that group. How close are they to the top three? And is that a viable strategy for you?
4: I think it's a huge gap between the top three and everyone else. I, I would very much, if I'm Washington, I very much caution against that. i you look to get an absolute king's ransom, which you, you could potentially. Um, but I just think, you know, if you're, if you're punting here, uh, you go in next year with Sam Howell, I mean, maybe J.J. McCarthy, you take in the 12 or so. Uh, I would be scared to start J.J. McCarthy as a year one starter. I think you need to take, you know, a year or two to develop him um so I, I do think there's a pretty big gap between the top three and everyone else and like i said i think there's a pretty big gap between uh one and two and three honestly too so i would if i'm watching i don't think this is the year to do it i think this is the year you have to get your guy at number two overall because um, you look at next year's quarterback clock is not nearly as good as this year so i'll just tell you that right now but um, yeah, if I'm Washington, I'm, I'm, it would take a lot for me to move out of the number two pick and uh, take a quarterback in the future.
2: Give me a guy that we haven't mentioned yet. That's just one of your favorite players in this draft. A guy that every time you you watch or, or write about, it, it brings a smile to your
4: face. Uh, yes, yeah, so I don't want to. You know, he's not really a sleeper at all. But I, I personally think Brock Bowers is. I I've wrote about him before. I think he's the best tight end college football has ever seen. Uh, and I think he might go down as the best tight end prospect that the NFL draft has ever seen. Um, and I think he's worthy of being a top five-ish pick in the draft. I think the Chargers, who really need a tight end, should take him at number five over Malik Neighbors or Roman Duse. Uh I, I think this is a guy who could be an elite tight end in the NFL. And we saw already, I mean, elite tight ends in the NFL are pretty valuable. Look how valuable Travis Kelsey is to the Kansas City Chiefs or George Kittle to the 49ers or someone like that. Uh, elite tight ends are very valuable and, and way more valuable than people might think so as good as Brock Bowers is I, I personally think he's worthy of being a very high selection in the NFL draft and I, I just don't know if it would actually be uh, that high of a pick come draft night but I, I, if I'm a team I would uh, I don't know if I'd let him get out of the top 10 let's put it that way
3: Max we appreciate you buddy thank you so much
4: of course thank you guys Thank you, Max. Max Chadwick of PFF
3: Rick Spielman joins us next on Grant and Danny, we'll get to the bottom of Why Adam Peters and Why Dan Quinn, right here on The fan.
1: Grant and Danny on the fan
3: in Ashburn. We are out here at the commander's facility. Their assistant coaches were available to the media today. We've got interviews that we've done with Tavita Pritchard, the quarterback's coach, Anthony Lynn, the new run game coordinator, And Daryl Tapp, the new defensive line coach, who's actually a Virginia guy done well from Virginia Tech, who I covered as a player here in 2013, who's now running the D-line room. You will hear those interviews sprinkled throughout the remainder of the show, including one hour from now at 4.30 – You'll hear from quarterbacks coach Davida Pritchard. Uh, we'll ask him about Sam Howell's development and the possibility of coaching up a quarterback they drafted number two overall. But with more on that possible selection, let's welcome on the program the former GM of the Minnesota Vikings, a tremendous longtime executive in the NFL and a guy who for a short time worked with the commanders. Right here? <laughs> he, I, I, get, I don't think he's wearing a commander's polo any longer as he chats with us. But Rick Spielman is with us on Grant and Danny. So, Rick, I got to tell you, I was very excited when I heard your name was linked to helping them find their GM and their head coach as kind of their football expert with Bob Myers and the group that they put together. How did that come about and and how long before we found out were you linked to the team?
5: Well, it was first honor and privilege that uh, I was able to be a part of that process and um, just because it's such a historic and iconic franchise and under the new leadership of Josh Harris, uh, the Washington Commander Sand should be very excited and get an opportunity to start when they uh, decided to make a move uh, with Ron Rivera and they were going to realign their front office uh, to go through all the general manager interviews that we had set up and that went, process went very quickly A lot of very qualified candidates, but uh, I think Josh made a great decision uh, in hiring Adam Peters, who's not only respected as a great personnel man, talent evaluator, but ready to take that next step to oversee all the football operations. So uh, one thing that I did, I learned a lot, you know, just being a part of these interview processes, listening, asking questions, and it's a pretty long Tedious process, especially in the head coaching interviews, but I was taken back a little bit about how many qualified people that are out there. A lot of those guys, they get head coaching jobs. Some of them will be head coaches in the near future, but no question in my mind that they uh, put the right two together. Josh did uh, put the right two together with uh, Dan and Adam.
2: In terms of finding that general manager, it's been a missing piece here for so long uh, to be frank about it. And I think the entire fan base pretty much is excited about Adam Peters being here. What were the criteria? Like what, what were your sort of marching orders there to, this is what we're looking for. Find the person that lines up best with these values, this acumen, this thought process, et cetera. I'd love for some behind the scenes there.
5: Yeah, no, I thought, you know, first I know Josh wanted someone that can lead the entire football operation. Second, Uh, to be very strong in personnel. Third, to be collaborative and working within the organization, working within the whole head coach, working with everybody across the football operations department. And Adam checked all those boxes. And then you look at his background coming from New England, where they've won championships, coming from Denver, where they won a a championship. And, you know, everything that they've done out in San Francisco speaks for itself for some guy to, that many different places and what success looks like, I think uh, he was definitely, although there were a lot of great candidates, the clear-cut choice.
3: Rick Spielman, who helped Washington land its GM and head coach, and I know you've been careful to say you did not pick Uh, Adam Peters, or you did not pick Dan Quinn, right? Josh Harris did, and then Peters and Harris picked Quinn, but you obviously provided feedback and took part in all those interviews and provided your insight. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, as much as you can, what are those interviews like? Like from the GM interview standpoint, I mean, are are those several hours, a couple hours, who's there and – I read at one point, like, for one part of it, some guys were in, and then other part, it was like you just kind of grilling them on football. Like, how did it actually work?
5: Yeah, the process, I thought, was very efficient. Uh, You know, from the GM perspective, I spent about two and a half hours alone with each GM candidate, and I know Bob Myers and Josh spent the next two and a half hours with them. And then after each interview, we'd come together, uh, I would give my strengths and weaknesses. Uh, they would see if it was the same. I thought it was a great process of not everybody sitting in the room at the same time. But I may have hit a lot of different areas and maybe get more into the weeds that uh, Josh and Bob wanted to get into. And they wanted to cover certain aspects, and I wanted to cover certain aspects. So when we came together, we had two different interviews that we combined <laughs> Uh, me and the areas that I was really honed in and focused on, what they wanted to focus in on, and came together and, and came up with the, uh, the best candidates that we felt. We actually did a ranking system uh, after each interview and, and how we seen the guys uh, come through. But nothing was ever predetermined. It was the same way as the coaching staff uh, process went. You know, a lot of times it was Josh – Bob and Adam, uh, and then myself, Mark Mayhew, and Adam did the other part of it. Ours was a little bit more football into the weeds, uh, you know, from that standpoint. And then Adam jumped in with Bob and Josh on some of the other aspects. So I really enjoyed the process. I thought it was very thorough. And like I said, I've learned a ton just listening to how things have evolved, you know, since I got out of it two years ago.
2: Rick Spillman with us here on G&D. Rick, I've learned to really appreciate the value of someone that's not, you know, locked in, looking through a microscope in a certain situation, the outside voice. I can't tell you how many problems my wife has solved by walking in, <laughs> looking at something, and just saying, just do that, and then leaving. Uh To that end, Bob Myers, not a football guy, tremendously successful in in a different sport. I mean, the resume speaks for itself, but just curious about his impact and, and, and how he kind of contributed to this and what his role was.
5: Yeah, I think Bob was very instrumental, and I learned a lot from Bob. It may not be that in the weeds, uh, you know, personnel and draft board and how you develop that or schematically on what we're going to do offensively and the personnel on the team and, you know, potentials, draft strategies. I thought he had a very insightful perspective on head coach, general manager relationship and leadership. Uh, because I think that translates over across any sport. You're either a leader or you're not a leader. Uh, the relationships you build, you still are working to one common goal. So some of the perspectives that he brought from his experience in the NBA, I thought were different, but also very interesting where you wouldn't pigeonholed with, hey, just all football guys in here. He gave a kind of a different opinion, and I learned a lot from him as well on this is what I've learned when I was working with Steve Kerr, where I was when I was coming up through the ranks, and some of the mistakes or some of the successes that I had, and why it worked and didn't have. So, I thought it was a totally different perspective, but it still comes down to trying to pick the right leaders, the people that are going to be able to work collaboratively together to try to get the best outcome.
3: Rick Spielman began as a scout with the Lions, director of pro personnel with the Bears and climbed the ranks with the Dolphins where he was a GM, with the Vikings as well, a respected NFL executive who just took part in Washington searches. Want to talk quarterback prospects uh, in this year's draft with him in just a moment. I guess to put a bow on this discussion, uh, we we could go one at a time here, but we could start with Peters and then Quinn. Uh, Why Adam Peters, do you think, in the end? And then why is Dan Quinn the right guy for the job?
5: Well, again, I, I spoke on Adam and all his qualifications, but Adam has no ego. And, you know, even when I stayed after Dan Quinn's press conference, I stayed on uh, four or five days up there just to help if they had any processes or things like that. But Adam is a person that knows that this is not an ego business, that we have to work collaboratively, we have to work as a team. And if he doesn't know the answer, he's sure to heck going to find out the answer or go to someone who may give him some guidance and he's going to grow as that general manager. And the reason he's going to grow is because he's not a guy that thinks he has all the answers, very talented, very talented. in the personnel side, but you're going to have to grow into that position. And, you know, DQ, I worked with him. He was a D line coach when I was down in Miami. And to me, there is no question. When you talk to the players that he has coached his leadership, he got Atlanta to a super bowl. I know the one thing that really stuck out to me about him was that he went back and when he was let go down in Atlanta, he did a bunch of self-scouting, if I could put it in that term, and where were my blind spots and how do I go out and seek advice from experts in those areas of my blind spots so I can get better, so I can improve. So you got two guys that are going to work collaboratively together that have no egos and, are, egos and are working for one common goal. And I told Adam, I said, listen, I sat through all these. I can give you my opinion on all these head coaches. I know them, most of them all personally. Uh, I could tell you my strengths and weaknesses on each guy that I felt, but I don't have to work with them. You have to pick the guy, and Josh has to pick the guy that's going to work best for you, and that's the most important thing. Rick,
2: can't let you go without talking a little bit of draft here. I know you've, you've taken a peek at some of these prospects at the top of the board. Uh, the question I always have each year as we sort of read these rankings and, and different things, how does a guy, let's just say Caleb Williams, how does he rank not only this year but maybe to some guys in, a, in years past to sort of quantify how
5: special he might be? So can I put the disclaimer out there? I have of no idea what the commanders or Adam or Dan – or Cliff, are thinking about the quarterback position I didn't want to know when I was there, so that I can go back to my. Uh,
3: we, we were going to quote life. you and say, Rick Spielman <laughs> says this is definitively what Washington Rick Spielman wants was passed
2: a note by. No, please.
3: <laughs> so, as long as my disclaimer
5: is out there, of course. Uh, I think all these guys have some unique skill set. I mean, Caleb Williams, there's no question about his athleticism, his ability to extend plays, uh, his arm talent. I guess the one thing that really stood out to me the most was when he played that poor first half, uh, made some bad decisions, had some turnovers in a Notre Dame game, I thought he rebounded in the second half and played much better. So that tells me that even though he may be off, he can get overcome that adversity and come back and, and perform. And it doesn't stick with him for the next half, the next game, or the next two. He seems to be able to move on uh, if he does have a bad game. Drake May, to me, is is a unique talent for his size. He has all the arm talent you want. I think he forced the ball a lot this year because he didn't have the same type of playmakers. I think he is a very good athlete that can move and make some plays with his legs. They got an opportunity to see him play live two years ago uh, against the Miami Hurricanes down here where I retired. And I just thought the ball just came off of his hands. And you can tell how gifted of a player he is. And then Jaden Daniels, who, again, another guy that came through a lot of adversity coming from Arizona state, getting to LSU uh, playing. Okay. Last year, if you looked at him before this year, you would say maybe third, fourth rounder, but then all of a sudden he took it to another level this year. And the stats speak for himself, but maybe the most explosive player with his legs reminded me similar to, I don't know yet, that'll translate to a Lamar Jackson type player. So, uh, and he improved his accuracy. Now he has some great weapons around him and uh, Malik neighbors and Mike Thomas Jr. Uh, the other receiver that I think is going to be pretty special in the league, but just like uh, Jalen Hurst did when he got benched at Alabama and went on and did what he did at Oklahoma. Now he ended up being a second round pick for Philadelphia but when you can find these quarterbacks that aren't affected by the adversity and seem to come back and fight their way back into being the quarterbacks they are, the successful quarterbacks they are, those are all good traits to look for.
3: Rick Spielman with us here on Grant and Danny. Hey, before we let you go, uh, just kind of curious, you know. Great insight from him on the search, obviously, in these draft prospects. I don't want to put you on the spot, but the story just broke or or the news came out that Caleb Williams is not going to have an agent going into the draft process. And we've seen that. I think Lamar had that situation maybe before coming out. Will that affect him in any way or no?
5: No, no. (laughs) You know, because these contracts, basically, if he's the number one overall pick, if he is, That's basically, I'm guesstimating that that's going to be a four year, $45 million fully guaranteed contract because of the rookie salary cap pull that you have to deal with. Uh, Last year, I believe Bryce Young got fully guaranteed four years at 38 or a little over 38 million. So those numbers are pretty much non negotiable. Uh, I think where it gets sticky is sometimes in the contract language whether there's offset in that language or not, no offset in that language. So that's where the biggest arguments usually come, you know, especially if you're the first overall pick. But, you know, Lamar has been pretty successful in uh, getting paid uh, for him not having an agent as well. So I don't think that'll be a big influence one way or another, uh, whether he goes first overall or wherever he goes in the draft.
2: Rick, this was a real treat, man. I really appreciate the time and insight. Thank you.
5: Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Do you want, me to know, you want to know who the commanders are taking at number two? Yes,
3: right now. Go who ahead is it going to be?
5: Yeah, I'll give you some insight. Whoever Dan and Adam select. That <laughs> write that down. I,
3: I actually thought you were just going to hang up. I thought, like, here it is. Listen closely. And then we would just hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Okay, thanks for having me on. Be well. Former GM, uh, Miami and Minnesota, Rick Spielman on Grant & Danny. He was terrific. Blitz at the top of the hour. That's when we're giving away caps tickets. about 20 minutes from right now. Our double plays next. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Remember, at 4.30, you'll hear from quarterback's coach, Davida Pritchard. And at 5 o'clock, Anthony Lynn is going to join us right here on Grant & Danny, the new run game coordinator for the Commanders. Big rest of the show uh, with members of the coaching staff stopping by on the fans. With Danny, I'm Grant. This is the fan. We are blitzing in about 10 minutes. We'll cover the Nats there at spring training. The Capitals, two goals last night for Alex Ovechkin. The chase is very much back on. And the Commanders with our buddy Earl Forsey. Speaking of which, we're out here in Ashburn at Commanders Park. Just sounds so weird. I don't know if I like saying that. It's on. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Is that what they say? I know it's named like the Inova Training yeah, it's something. It's like Ortho I don't Trainer really do Center. That is. Yeah,
2: I, I can't keep up. Uh, when I plugged into the old GPS, I, I, I like Commanders Park. I didn't know what I was talking about. Correct. Then I was like, uh, okay, Redskins Park, and it was commune Joe Gibbs Way. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Do we want to do Command Center or we don't? Uh, no. Because I want this to go away as soon as possible. Okay, and I think they do too. So being smart. out
3: here today doesn't make you really fall in love with the name all over again.
2: No, oh no, no. It's seeing the word is a reminder that it's so cheesy and generic and mm-hmm. stupid and snidery, and uh, it's an insult to everyone's intelligence. So like it should change immediately.
3: Thanks to them though for helping us uh, get yeah, out been awesome. here yeah. today and. You know, chatting with some of the assistant coaches on the staff. You're going to hear our interviews with Davida Pritchard, quarterback's coach. We'll talk to him about Sam Howell and about the number two overall pick. And uh, maybe he'll even tell us who they're going to take number two overall. You don't know. You don't know that. Uh, we'll also chat with Anthony Lynn later on on the show today here on Grant and Danny. So we're fired up about that. It is time for our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Danny, I want to see what you think about this. All right. I want to see if we're on the same page. I think we will be. A woman refused to leave a tip at a restaurant because the waitress called her husband sweetheart. She wrote on the tip area, don't call my husband sweetheart. And then the $25.17 bill, she left no tip. So I think we both would agree, obviously, that she's a crazy person and that's ridiculous. Yes, correct. You should have tipped and Mm -hmm. that's an outrage. Where is the line on waitress saying something to husband where she should be annoyed? Because I don't think there's anything that you can call someone short of just right in front of the wife or or vice versa. If it's a, a guy in front of you talking to your wife, if he's like, you have beautiful eyes. I think that's a little bit weird. It's Certainly. weird, but you're but still getting a tip. You're still getting a tip for sure. Yeah. But like I think you have the right at that point to be like, Man, that was strange. But like where is the line where you actually would say something?
2: Way past that. Again, if if you if you've ever been south of here, that just what you call people. Like it doesn't matter, yeah. you know, like my Every
3: t- old lady calls everybody sweetheart. Sugar, sweetheart, uh
2: Whatever you want to call it, right? It's all something uh, that, that is it. Baby your name. doll, yeah, baby doll, like honey pie, like all these yeah. all sorts of things that uh, don't even make any sense uh, up here. So yeah, that, that a we shouldn't ever bury the lead. That this is this crazy person is so awful and so mean spirited and so stupid.
3: I don't think there's anyone listening that would disagree about the person not leaving a tip being the bad guy in this story and being wrong. Right? So yeah. we're all on the same page. we are that part. Okay. So my new question is where is your line to the point where you would be like, all right, I'm actually going to say something?
2: Can I take you out sometime? Like, if you're not busy, you want to meet up later? Like, it's got to be that, <laughs> so to it's that, that
3: far. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's got to be there. So it's like, other, otherwise up. it's just
2: weird flirting. And it's like,
3: <laughs> right in front of you.
2: Like, I'll just be like waving my ring around. You're like, you know. I'm trying to decide what I want to eat as it just like keep flashing. Because it's not my ring like you're at a bar face.
3: and she's by herself getting a drink right. and someone hits on her. That's going to happen from time to time. Yeah, that has happened to me. And you just kind of like this. This is what do I do with my hands? Yeah. Like, oh man, uh, this is weird. Still the but if, <laughs> but if it's a waiter, bro. Yeah. Like so, the guy comes over and you're sitting at the table and he's like, "Man, you're beautiful." And I was like, oh, thank you, and, like, kind of, you know, whatever. And then he comes back to the table is like, seriously, you are gorgeous. Like, at what point – are we there yet? Like, two mentions? It's to the Still? point where I'm going, I, I agree with you.
2: I do think my wife is very beautiful.
3: You would say that?
2: Yeah, like, ha, 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 anyway, can we get some appetizers in? You know, like, I try to flex a little bit there, I think. And
3: he just keeps – this is a weird hypothetical I'm creating. So now yeah. he keeps going, and yeah. he's like – What perfume are you wearing? Like anything for you,
2: sweetie. You may not, may or may not get anything, sir. Like I don't know. Um, it would it would have to be obvious.
3: So he's quite literally he has to ask her out.
2: Yeah, it it would have to be obvious that he's ignoring all warning signs. That he's when Bob Sendley is putting up the stop sign and he's still going home. (laughs) You know. Uh,
3: Yeah, you give him the first couple where you're just like, all right. He's he's
2: angling. No problem. Funny. Like again, I had a I had a uh, a, waitress not that long ago. In front of my wife, told me that I looked young. Like
3: she, she's trying to get a tip. It's very normal. She's no, trying no, but to get a tip. Also, But that's normal. Yeah, that's fine. That's just a, a compliment.
2: Right. Uh, but it was it, it was in an effort to be like you know because I think she may have overheard like half of the conversation or something yeah, yeah, we were yeah. talking about before ordering.
3: Was, <laughs> Can you imagine though? I, I mean, I'm just now thinking of my weird hypothetical. This waiter keeps hitting on your wife, and then like he's just like asking her out right in front of you. The balls on this waiter, this right. fake waiter. Yeah, that the, I'm the
2: huevos on this guy you've created. Uh, I'd have to. I'd be like. Uh, like, at a certain point, are you going to do something putting to my wife? Like, are you going to tell him?
3: <laughs> Definitely not. You know what I mean? She's taking like, the compliment. You're having fun. She's having a good old time. Oh, man. Probably got red cheeks and blushing a little bit.
2: Looking at me like I did something wrong.
3: But just what a stupid person. And, and I, people stink, man. Don't call my husband sweetheart.
2: How about you don't go outside the house?
3: Get a job.
2: You need to go home and stay there because outside's too much for yeah, you. Th-
3: this is too hard out here. Sitting down, interacting with humans, having to deal with someone possibly being pleasant. It's just too much. Sorry about your luck that someone was pleasant to you guys at a restaurant. That's just
2: too damn much. Don't call my husband sweetheart. Okay. I won't ever again.
3: (laughs) Grant and Danny on the fan. We are giving away tickets to see the Caps and the Coyotes. The chase is back on. You get to see Ovi, who scored eight goals in eight games. We'll cover him in the Caps and the Nats and the Commanders all coming up in the Blitz right here on the fan next.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.